0: Greetings, podcast universe. This is Gary Stern.
1: And this is Lucy Sang. We are the co-hosts of After the Glory podcast.
0: Every elite athlete has one thing in common. Their careers on the field of play will only be a tiny fraction of the life of meaning and purpose they hope
1: to live. As UCLA alums from different generations, Gary and I have discovered that the stories of these great athletes go far beyond their statistics. It is our pleasure to share these stories with our listeners.
0: We hope you will enjoy this latest episode of After the Glory. Welcome to a very special edition of After Glory. In our introduction, Lucy and I talk about the stories of elite athletes. As lifelong sports fans, our goal with each episode is to demonstrate through conversation with our guests, that the elite athlete, no matter the sport, is to be celebrated for the entirety of their lives and that what they are is inevitably a product of those unique traits that had made them elite in their sport. A few weeks ago, we shared with you the lives of three amazing young women most of you did not know. They were amateur figure skating competitors, then show skaters with Disney on Ice who brought joy to thousands and now are carving out their futures away from the ice. Today, we are incredibly privileged to welcome not just another figure skater, but arguably the greatest male figure skater of all time, a true goat who never really left the sport, but instead continues to teach each of us what it means to be an elite athlete and even more important, an elite person. Scott Hamilton won four consecutive U.S. national titles from 1981 to 1984, the world title in those four years, and the gold medal in the 1984 Olympics. He went on to an incredible professional career as the founder of Stars on Ice and as the passionate figure skating commentator on CBS and NBC for many years. But Scott's story is so much more powerful as he now shares with us on his new podcast, Live Your Days. Scott, welcome to After the Glory.
2: Wow that was a huge introduction. Do we have any time left to talk? Just kidding. (laughs) We do. You know, we start usually
0: at the beginning and I have to tell you that some years ago I was making a business trip into southern part of Ohio and I flew into Detroit on the drive down Highway 75 as I passed a little town called Bowling Green. There's a sign that says home of Scott Hamilton, world Mm -hmm. champion. Tell us about Bowling Green and growing up there.
2: Oh, it's wonderful. It's you know a small town. It's uh, it's sort of a split, kind of evenly between the university people that work at the university, the people that just support the town, and then agriculture, which it's surrounded by cornfields, soybean fields, tomato fields. I mean, there's just all kinds of agriculture around Bowling Green. So it's the flattest place on the planet, thus the name Bowling Green. And it was just a wonderful place to grow up. My parents were both school teachers. My dad was a uh, professor of biology. Uh, and and was really involved in all the earth sciences and very tough as a, as a professor. A lot of people <laughs> didn't really enjoy his class. And then my mom was a second grade school teacher, uh, worked her way up to be an associate professor in the home economics department, specializing in marriage and family relations. So she was, you know, my dad was very strong, tough, was in ROTC, you know, in college, you know, never took a drink, you know, it's just, really focused and very disciplined and and my mom was nurtured by nature you know she was very loving and very you know always extending herself and and uh, you know sort of like a, a, they were extremely opposite in their approach to life but they were a, an incredible match
0: your challenges started early how, tell us about those challenges and how you got into figure skating.
2: Well, I, you know, it was my, my my challenges were my parents' challenges. My mom uh, really wanted a big family, but she uh, struggled. You know, she would carry a child to birth and and, uh, and the child would not survive. Um, and so she had a lot of devastation uh, in her life trying to build this family. My sister uh, was the only birth child in the family. I was the first adopted child. So, you know, and I always joke that when you're an adopted child, there's a lot of, you know, there's an open mind, you know, and, and when you have a birth child, there's expectation, right? You know, if you're uh-huh. in academia, I expect them to get really be smart. If you're in athletics, you expect them to be really super, you know, into sports. You know, for me, it was just sort of like, let's just sit back and see what happens. And, um, and they were wonderful, wonderful parents, you know, they're just incredibly loving and very supportive of anything and very open minded. And uh, to this day, I, I carry so much of who they were, um, as far as their identity, who they were politically, who they were, um, you know, just spiritually and, and just, you know, I take a lot of their parenting styles with me to my own family.
1: Scott, uh, I asked this of our previous guests. So I'll ask you as well. Why your sport? Why ice skating?
2: Why figure skating? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's just sort of an accident. Like any great thing, you know, it just sort of just happens, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I am a man of faith, and I kind of look back on that now, and it's like, you can look at uh, things as being coincidental, or you can look at them as God-scheduled opportunities. And and I was very sick as a child for four years. I was in and out of hospitals. They couldn't come up with a determination of what was causing my illness. And uh, finally, you know, the last the hospital I was in, they just sort of gave up. They just sort of said, you know, we don't know what this is. We can't diagnose it. Go home, live a normal life, see what happens. And it was when we got home um, that I we, you know, my parents desperately needed a morning just to recharge their batteries because of this four year journey. And so um, uh, our family physician, you know, came to my parents with sort of an intervention and said, look, Saturday mornings there's a brand new facility at the arena at the um, university that I know you know about. They teach kids how to skate on Saturday mornings from eight to noon. Why don't you just, let's just, we'll take him to the rink and you guys can charge your batteries. And so I started going to the rink and I'd never been around so many well kids. And after a couple of weeks, I realized that I could skate as well as the well kids. And after a few more weeks, I realized I could skate as well as the best athletes in my grade. And for the first time I tasted self-esteem and it's a really super powerful agent. Uh, Once, you know, you feel good about yourself, your whole world changes and, skating gave that to me
0: but skating wasn't something that you were an overnight success in in your opening podcast episode back in october you talk about all the falling all the last place finishes
2: (laughs) how does somebody
0: stay in the sport with all of that failure in order to become not just good but the best
2: you know, I think it just begins with the love of what you do. You know, if you really love what you do, you know, results take on a different identity. You know, it's the day to day, you know, the day to day is so enjoyable and so much fun that, you know, when you get to those competitions and they don't go well, you know, it's kind of like, well, that was, those were minutes and you don't want to trade in those minutes. You know, it's like, you don't want to trade in all the hours and weeks and years and months for those minutes. Right. So, um, you know, you just sort of figure, well, that didn't work. Let me figure this thing out. So you try a little harder, you do things a little bit differently. And, and sooner than later, you know, you, you realize that you're starting to get stronger, and you're more in touch with who you are, and you mature. And, and so, um, yeah, the, you know, regionally, I was pretty good. Sectionally I was average. And then nationally, I was a disaster for the first three years. And then um, I started to figure it out. Like I, I'm not training well. I don't, I don't like figures. I don't you know. There's a lot of things that I wasn't competitive in because I didn't apply myself as much as I should. And so you just learn and you grow and you mature. And then those little lessons, you know, start to kind of become something you understand. And it's pretty exciting when those little uh, breakthroughs happen.
1: And when we come back on after the glory with our special guest, Scott Hamilton, We'll ask Scott about the blood, sweat, and tears that led up to the highlight of his figure
3: skating career. Thinking about a new or used car, think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new, used, and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone at Infinity of Thousand Oaks, your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our office at 805-262-7442 or visit Infinity of Thousand Oaks. Com. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2021 Infinity. Or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is a proud sponsor of After the Glory.
1: Hey, this is Lucy Sang here from Resiliency. I am a certified life coach focused on working with athletes and like-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. My goals are to serve as an accountability partner and offer different perspectives while my clients are facing big challenges and decisions. I also lead workshops and offer group coaching on topics such as avoiding burnout or transferable skills. Follow me on Instagram at resiliency, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching, resiliency underscore coaching for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, I am excited to share my expertise in working with athletes and look forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. And we're back on After the Glory with our special guest, Scott Hamilton, with my co-host Gary Stern, and this is Lucy Singh on After the Glory. Scott, I asked this of the young ladies who were featured just a couple episodes ago. Tell us about what training for figure skating looks like. I mean, most of us who watch and spectate think that you get on the ice and you do all your triple axles and flips and twirls. But what is training for figure skating? What do you have to do?
2: well I, I mean it it's it starts the first step you know it's just that idea of teaching those tiny little muscles um in your body to, to support the big muscles to understand the whole idea of sliding and and moving and and then you, you get into the more uh technical things of you know edges you know forward backward edge quality all those things it's just skill progression and um as you take on skills you know you don't think about them anymore you know it's it's like you know if you're a skater and it's funny because we i teach a little boys class on wednesdays and fridays um at our skating academy and to see these boys who are like scared to death their first time on the ice to now just step on the ice and go it's kind of that that's what it becomes it's second nature and all those skills that you acquire by falling on them a thousand times, Mm. um, they become second nature. And so it's just, you know, teaching your body muscle memory. It's, it's all those things of timing and, and, uh, putting yourself in the right physicality and the right, you know, being strong enough and quick enough to do these things. Uh, you know, it just, it's time, you know, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. So, You know, no matter what it is, you know, whether you're learning an axle or a camel spin or, um, you know, a triple sow cow or whatever, it's just repetition and and really just trying to teach your body how to do it.
1: Wow. Well, I have to ask, do these little boys know who their teacher is? Like, do they have an idea of who Scott Hamilton
2: is? (laughs) You know, I think they, they... See my name everywhere, and I think maybe sometimes their parents will pull up YouTube and they'll watch some of the old performances. And in that, you know, they kind of think that's really nice, you know. And and you know, it it's like, uh, oh my, you know, it it really for them, it's kind of um, it's a nice thing that uh, the person that you know is sort of the identifier with this is actually invested directly into their Mm -hmm. success and their improvement. So in that regard, you know, I'm just making really wonderful friendships and some of them struggle. Some of them pick up things like that, you know, so you got to kind of balance things out and, and our, our main uh, competitive coach, Corey aid, man, I, I'm trying to like really be encouraging and it's like, good try, good try. And she's like, let's do it right. Let's do it again. Come over here. This is how you do it. It's like, no nonsense it's just like let's get to it and they really respond they just love her they love getting pushed they love learning new things and and i'm there to kind of like okay let's let's okay let's break it down okay the reason you're having trouble with this and then she's like okay let's go let's go to the next thing and so it's like her you know, her scale progressions like that and uh it's been really fun to learn from her and eric mumpers here as well and to learn from him and so, you know, as as you know, a competitive skater that, you know, competed at a high level, you forget those first days on the ice and it takes you a while to build those muscles in your um teaching that you're able to kind of break those things down into ways that people can little ones especially, like we have a five year old in the class who I just adore. And uh You know just and try to describe it in in ways that they could understand and and that's a whole different skill and you've got to develop all skills are meant to be developed right you just got to figure out how to do it
0: going back Scott to uh, your own journey um, uh, our listeners may not know that figure skating um, has evolved in the 70s 80s and before that of course uh, you had to go through what are called figures compulsory figures and then the uh, freestyle and short programs you go through a novice level, you go through junior level before you get to senior level, and senior is what we see on TV. Mm-hmm. Tell us what kept you going when there were times when your placement in a competition was not uh, where you wanted it to be. Something had to have driven you to keep going, keep going, and then realize, I can do this. I can get all the way to the Olympics. What was cool. that about?
2: because it's, it would be so unlikely for me to ever think that I could be competitive, like on, in the top levels. Right. Because I'm, you know, I'm from a small town that has no skating, uh, tradition or culture, coaching was limited, all those things. And, and so, you know, there really isn't a way for me to think that, you know, my identity in skating would be my success in testing or in competition. It's sort of an extension of just the day to day. Right. So I was a skater, it's who I was, it wasn't what I do, it's like who I was. So there, there's, the, there's the defining line is like, my whole passion was to be at the rink, to be in that community, to, to skate in the ice shows, to um, practice every day, to try to learn new skills. And, and that was my day to day. The competitions were, you know, destinations, right? But I was on a journey, right? <laughs> a big journey, of just really trying to figure out how good I could, could get you know, and with that came a lot of sacrifice from my family financially and, um, you know, kind of interpersonally. And then uh, I went to Illinois to train there with Janet Lynn. And then I went to Colorado and, and trained with Carlo Fossey and then Philadelphia with Don Laws and then back with Don Laws to Colorado. And so, you know, you, you just sort of, you go where the coaches are and then you just do the best you can. But it wasn't like I was skating for a result. I was skating because I was a skater and I loved it and it was just kind of my who I was and so the results come or they don't Um, but the main thing was is I was learning how to process failure I was learning how to be resilient I was learning how to basically get up and that would show up in every aspect of my life
0: skills that obviously uh, stayed with you by the way um, when I was much younger and before I got married I had a crush on Jan- Janet Lynn.
2: I had an absolute nah. crush on Janet Lynn. <laughs> you know, she, I, she, I'm in constant contact with her. She lives in Tennessee now, uh, about an hour and a half, two hours away. Um, but we are always texting, always talking to each other, and, and it's, it's just wonderful to have her in my life in this way.
0: Tell us about an, another aspect to what we talk about on this show a lot, which is obviously we know about the championships, the gold medal. There is a point in time as a skater when the audiences are no longer as 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 much there. You know, yachts, you had stars on ice, of course, but there are less days where you're strapping on the skates and, and getting to the rink as you get older. Is there something that replaces that adrenaline rush of, of a crowd and, and of, uh, uh, of transitioning to a life where you're not in front of a crowd anymore? Uh, tell us about what that feels like to... To to, to transition like that
2: yeah it's hard to say you know it's just um as athletes and as performers we have you know it wouldn't be i wouldn't say general shelf life we have um an ability to kind of do it at a certain level for a certain amount of time and then those skills start to diminish as you get older and i went through all of that right i did all of that but you know it was this this after 20 years of professional skating i'm on the ice in new york and my, um, you know, my six-month-old son is at home, and I'm like, "What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? I'm a father, and I have a, the unique opportunity of like seeing his first steps and hearing his first words. This is this isn't about me anymore. This isn't about me standing out here and and you know, with blades strapped to my feet and tight clothes, trying to do something, you know, whatever. This is about." my responsibility now to be the best father I can be for this child and so it was an easy easy transition for me to go that was great, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to next (laughs) let's be a good dad
1: Lucy? When we come back on After the Glory, Scott will ask you to share with us life off the ice
4: Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of health care negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the Bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him Dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org.
0: And we're back on After the Glory with my co-host Lucy Singh. Uh, this is Gary Stern and our very special guest, Scott Hamilton. Uh, Scott, the uh, all of the accomplishments as our US national champion, world champion, and Olympic gold medalist, um, they were, made you one of the most popular skaters in the, in the country. Then you stayed with Stars on Ice and broadcasting. But tell us a little about something that happened in terms of a health diagnosis that changed everything for you. How old were you? And when did that uh, how did you deal with that? Uh the,
2: the big one, um, there's been a bunch. I I call it my unique hobby of collecting life threatening illness. Um, the big one was ninety seven. You know, we um Sergei Grinkov uh we we lost him in ninety six. And so the next year I'm on tour and I've been working really hard for a long time. It was my thirteenth year as a professional skater. And I never thought if I went four years as a pro skater, because you know male skaters weren't really coveted at all back then, um, or really wanted or appreciated. You know, I had to kind of make it up as I went along. I thought if I can get two to four years of professional skating, that'll give me a financial base, and I'll be able to kind of whatever's next. And so I'm in mean, year thirteen, and and the the numbers, the attendance was just doing this right and i just um i was having a hard time with some abdominal pain and energy and and i just i didn't take it as anything more than just working too hard and being exhausted and mentally emotionally physically shattered and uh we got to uh city 50 of 60 and i couldn't stand up straight anymore and i realized that i had something something was wrong and so I was in Peoria Illinois I went into an emergency room just to get a checkup so they can give me some medicine to take care of my abdominal pain I thought it was an ulcer and uh, then I just keep you know get through the rest of the tour and then rest up when I got home and uh, it was there that um, the doctor just sort of sat me down and he said we found a mass and and I go what mass really because um, it's kind of funny because nobody's ever used the word mass in description of me before and he goes no you this is this is serious and um, he said you've got to he uh, goes you know, if it were me I'd take care of it right away it's it's either benign malignant or something else and it was in that moment I realized that I was being diagnosed with uh, the same disease that took my mother 20 years before almost to the month and uh, the fear was just unbelievable I just saw myself diminishing and and being really in a lot of pain and sick and then dying I saw, I saw that in my head and and um i don't know if it was five minutes five seconds or a nanosecond that fear flipped into a sense of of power and clarity of mission and just um it's fight just fight right i just it was just like no i i i just i determine what this thing you know how it's gonna define me and and I, I think a lot of that came out of my skating career of just, you know, you're knocked down to get up, you know, you fall down, and you get up, you get pushed down, and you get up, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I, I went into the, the rest of the diagnosis and the um, uh, biopsy and everything with a great deal of, you know, just determination and courage and levity and, and it was kind of surprising to my doctors, you know, it's just... Um, you know, they told me I had a, uh, you know, stage two or three germ cell whatever cancer, testicular cancer. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want that cancer. And, I, and they go, why? And I go, it's it's kind of like a personal thing. I've I have like a female audience predominantly, and and you're this these are my boys you're talking about. So I I don't and I'm not to talk about this publicly, and it's like, I you know, it's like come on, and it's like okay, I'm going to do today's show, and I'll talk to Matt about this, but not Katie because you know this guy. And they're like no you, no you need to listen and take this seriously and it's like you know no i don't and um and in that you know i i i, I saw my mom who uh, died of cancer in 77 she came back and she said you know think she was always say things like you know um oh this chemotherapy i finally found a way to lose all this weight you know and she was always finding the upside of everything and She said, oh this chemotherapy my hair is so awful these wigs are so beautiful and so easy you know it's like you know and then oh I finally found a way to quit smoking I love chemo you know so I was really wanted to be like her and um and so I I I went through a lot of chemotherapy and and uh that was pretty debilitating at times and uh, I learned a lot and and then I had a big major 38 staple surgery in my abdomen and and then I was kind of um green light go back to to life and and in that I saw it as a second chance. So I I decided to change everything. You know, I just packed up my car one day and just started driving. And I ended up in uh, Tucson, Arizona for a couple of weeks. And then um, from there, Los Angeles. And And I would split time between Denver and Los Angeles. And I found a place up in uh, Westlake Village area that I liked a lot. And I would just hang out there when I wasn't touring or skating. And, and that was a really, um, it was a good place to recuperate, you know, um, and so I changed life. I changed life completely and, and it was an amazing experience and one I really didn't want to go through again <laughs> and seven years later, you know, I'm now married and I have a son and um, I'm diagnosed with a pituitary brain tumor. Uh, that was frightening because they didn't know what it was. They had to go in through like a hole right here at the top of my head. Where is that? Oh, there it is right there. They went right in through there, yeah. down in took a piece of it and it was there um that they found out what it was they had my wife um some materials on a craniopharyngioma, and basically my wife you know thought it was really interesting she said listen to this craniopharyngeomas are usually detected early in a child's life uh, due to a lack of growth and development okay yeah. so i guess the all questions will off. be answered right yeah so they never diagnosed my childhood illness and then um, I'm thinking that if I was actually born with this brain tumor, which I was, and if they found it in 1966 or 65, what would my life look like, you know, with the craniotomy and all the invasive surgeries and then all the, now, you know, it's like now they have the the, the medicines or the, the hormone replacements that I need in order to live a normal life. but back then there was nothing like it and people were suffering in incredible ways. But I look at the brain tumor as an amazing um, gift because it made me the right size and it kind of every, every good thing in my life has come out of that brain tumor. So there's no resentment or anything else. And then it came back and six years later, and that was surgery that one surgery became nine surgeries. And then that was hard. And then uh, I came back six years later and since then I've just been keeping an eye on it.
1: Talk about turning lemons to lemonade, huh? That's
2: well no I mean it's a choice, right? Everything's a choice. And that's the one thing I've learned through all of this. you know, it's a choice. and and we all have to choose, you know how how do we live our best lives under our current condition, right? And you know, during a pandemic, you know, when that when it all came out, um, you know the the fear was unbelievable. you know, it's just it, it was like da, da da, game on and so you know we had to get all the information we could and all the information we could get was all based in fear fear more fear lots more fear be more fearful and then fear your neighbor and then fear your family member and then fear touching knobs and fear and fear and fear and once we got through it a little bit and more information started to come out and we're able to base our day-to-day and data and now we're able to live more normal lives and it's uh we're still respectful in the best ways we can for others um, but at the same time we, we it's the devil we know now not the devil we don't know
0: well we're going to uh, talk about uh, how all of that has led to what perhaps may be your most impactful next chapter and that's your podcast um, our listeners should also know scott has authored a number of books including uh, landing it in 1999 and, and others we'll talk about
2: here we go, um, right here. So let's right take a break.
0: There. And when we come back, we'll talk about <laughs> Scott and today. Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends at LADABC, ABC? We believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player. And now you can. The LADABC ABC adult baseball camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30 as an independent camp. You can be a fan of any team from any city and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodger Town Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of -of state-of-the-art facilities and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's LADABC.com. University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for over 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking that you already do.
3: You'll save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by
2: NCUA. Terms and conditions apply.
0: And we're back on After the Glory. We've actually been joined by our guest from a few weeks ago, uh, uh, my daughter, Laura Stern, a former uh, skater with Disney on Ice, uh, amateur competitor as well here with my co-host Lucy Tseng and our special guest Scott Hamilton. Scott, all of those experiences um, that obviously would uh, just devastate almost anybody, uh, and I'm sure they did you as well with the, uh, uh, the cancer and the brain tumors, but you obviously are a person of faith, and you have started a podcast that I've listened to, and it, it is absolutely wonderful. Tell us a little Thank about you. it.
2: Well, it actually came out of the diagnosis of my third brain tumor in uh 2016. Uh, you know, they caught it on a routine scan, you know, it was very small, uh, but it was definitely coming back. And so, um, you know, it's like, oh man, after 2010 and that one that really stunk. 2010 was hard, you know, but I'm still here. Uh, but you know, it's like, really? It came back again. That's like, what do I need to learn now? Right. So while the doctors were there giving me opinions i just sort of all i heard in the in the back of my mind was get strong just get strong and i i didn't under i i couldn't figure out what that meant you know my whole spirit was saying get strong and so they're telling me about surgery they're telling me about the medical ass brand new medical option blah, blah 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 blah. you know that whole charlie brown blah blah blah, blah thing and all i kept hearing is get strong and so um After I left, they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm just going to go get strong, and I'll think about this and pray on this, and then we'll talk again in a few months or whatever. And so I I went from there, and I like getting on prayer chains. So um, a friend of mine, a a really dear friend of my wife's, um, owns a PR company, and and I said, I just want to do one interview to talk about this so that I, I don't want to talk about it anymore, just to get on prayer chains, right? I just want to get it out to get on prayer chains. So we recorded an interview for people.com and it was viewed over I think 36 million times or something ridiculous like that. Right. And it was just, you know, basically how do you respond to something like that? And and I guess people were interested in the way I responded and and so in that interview I basically said, "Look, our bodies are incredibly fragile, vulnerable, susceptible to many, many different things. They're also incredibly resilient." but ultimately they're temporary, right? So knowing that going in, how are we how do we want to live our numbered days? How are we going to live our days? And so it, it, it kind of caught on with a, a production and marketing company here in Nashville, and they said, we, you know, what do you think? What we can do this big thing? And I said, I don't know, time out. I, I don't, I'm, it doesn't feel like, you know, because I always try to go with my spirit, right? So I go, it doesn't feel like the right time to do this. So we put it on a shelf. I went about my other business. I did Finish First. I did a couple other platforms. And then the pandemic hit, and we're in uh, April. And I get an email saying, can we talk this afternoon? And I said, sure. And so I called up Shannon, and she said, now? I said, I think now. And so basically, we built Live Your Days, um, which is a digital encouragement platform. And it's really meant to allow people to understand that it's their choice and how they want to live their lives and live their numbered days and and how they, you know, like each year it could be a year of growth or it could be a year of rest or it could be a year of, of you know, change, you know, whatever that is. And it's, it's kind of like a choice. So there's a 30-day challenge that's part of that, which is really fun. For 30 days, you get an email in your email box saying, um, here's something to think about and here's a small task to do today. We're never going to tell you to do a triathlon or anything. It's just basically here's something like day one you know spoiler alert um day one is you know write down three things you're most grateful for and why and so it helps you build muscles of contentment muscles of gratitude and muscles of of you know interactivity where you can bless other people and and so to get the you know kind of get the word out we needed a little bit of a carrot for people to come on or a big old neon sign and and that was the podcast and we did um uh, my, mine was the introductory kind of here's what this is and then we we talked to eight influential people um just about their lives and how they live them and it, it was really really super fun so we've taken a little pause and uh we're strategizing on what it will take to do season two of live your days and and we'll see where it goes but it's been really a fun it was really fun to be busy during uh all the covid lockdowns and and interact with really fun interesting great friends and to be inspired by them and i think other people will be inspired by their stories and what they have to share as well
0: it's a great podcast uh guests include robin roberts uh, christy yamaguchi your your good buddy and uh uh, and i encourage all of our listeners to uh, find it it's wherever podcasts are as as well as ours scott you authored uh, the book landing it in 1999 the great Eight in 2009 finished first winning changes everything in 2018 I believe a children's book uh, last year, is that right?
2: Yeah, there
0: it is. Up oh, side. All right. Yeah. Fritzy finds there. a hat. Fritzy Gentle finds to help a hat. children talk with children yeah. about cancer. Yeah, Laura, you have anything you like to say to Scott?
4: Um, I actually I listened to your podcast the first episode last night and um, it's just fantastic. It's I'm really looking forward to listening to the rest of it cuz it's it is something that us as athletes and us as people, it's a reminder that I think I needed, especially during these times, especially during times of uncertainty and not sure where the world is going right now. And so it's a reminder to enjoy each day, to take each day one at a time. And it was just this really beautiful reminder. So thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to it. And it's- Yay great to just meet you over video <laughs> oh. and um it's just an exciting uh, moment for me just as, well, as through my whole life so this is really exciting for me
2: and if i well, may add know, it's just a matter of time till we run into each other again you know i always you know some, somebody says i can't believe you know we're at an airport or something i can't believe you're here it's like it's just a matter of time <laughs> you know it really is <laughs> right yeah you know, i've had, I, a really strange goal of meeting every human being on the planet you know so that's you know Probably got it down. You know, oh, I think you've got couple a chance million at it. Down. Lucy,
0: why don't you close it out for us today? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was just going to add to Laura's comment that I think especially for our generation, there's so many distractions. And a podcast like Scott's really reminds us to focus on what is important to us and not just what is in front of us and what it looks like that everybody else is doing and you know, thriving, skinny and strong and making all this money. Let's not worry about what other people are doing. Live your days. Right. Yeah. So thank you, Scott, for being here today and so happy to have Laura back on our show. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and featuring my dog Kobe in the background. And thank you to our sound engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne here on After the Glory. We'll hear you and join us next time on another episode.